Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows to you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Fiverr. Fiverr's Marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, podcast editing, photography, film editing, and more. Take five and check out Fiverr.com. You'll receive 10% off your first order by using my code SBR. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code SBR. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. It's interesting. I'm in my home studio. Griggs is in his home studio. So we're not together, which stinks. But during these unprecedented times, that's what we've had to do is set up our own home studios. Nonetheless, we have some great guests coming up on the show this week. Mike McCartney, who is one of the best NFL agents out there. He's the agent for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins just signed a two-year extension to his deal with the Vikings. Mike has a really good outlook on the CBA, the current NFL free agency market, and what it's like being an agent or an NFL player right now during the coronavirus times. It's really interesting conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Emmanuel Acho, former NFL player. He also is an analyst with ESPN. He will join us and give his thoughts on the new NFL CBA and Tom Brady. And then last but not least, Al Harrington played 16 seasons in the NBA, but he's now an entrepreneur. He's not just sticking his name on a cannabis company. He owns the company and it's called Viola Extracts. It's part of his Harrington Wellness empire that he's building. He's really become one of the leaders in the cannabis space. Al Harrington will join us last but not least. I'm joined by Brian Griggs via phone. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, man. It is just, uh, what a crazy week I was thinking about. It was just like last Thursday when everything started breaking down and then we did a show on Friday and it's just incredible how much has changed just since we talked on Friday. Yeah. It's such a fluid situation. Um, before we get into these interviews, I mean, gosh, pretty much everything has canceled. So Kentucky Derby has postponed. French Open has postponed. We told you last week the Masters postponed. Obviously, there's no March Madness right now. There's no NBA. There's no NHL. There's nothing really left. And, you know, we're getting down into having governors from certain states say, you can't go to restaurants. You can't leave your house. You need to quarantine. So this is very serious stuff. I would advise all of our listeners to listen to your local authorities and do what they say. I'm still seeing lots of people, these pictures of people you know, at Disney World and at Clearwater, Florida, on the beach for spring break, we need to take this seriously. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you, we, we were texting back and forth over the weekend, just pictures of downtown Nashville, just people to people to people. And it's just like incredible that, you know, we're getting these warnings. It's not just, you know, make up fake news. This is real stuff. And uh, it's scary when you see a lot of people still out and about like nothing's going on. Yeah. 
And, you know, again, a lot of fluid situations. You'll hear Mike McCartney talk about that because um, the rules are changing every day. I mean, if you're a player that's going to be drafted, you have no idea what's going on. His guess is the NFL draft is going to be virtual. There's not going to be a fist bump or an elbow bump with the commissioner. You're not going to walk on stage. The NFL already announced this week the draft will take place in April in Las Vegas, but there won't be a crowd in attendance. They haven't announced whether it will be virtual or not. But Griggs, I think more and more things are going to be virtual. And, you know, I think of my friend Andre Iguodala, who's an investor in Zoom video. And some of these technologies that are out there right now that allow people to work from home like we are or allow them to communicate with others when they're on quarantine, they're going to be really big winners at the end of this thing. Yeah, and I was thinking about that just this morning when we were talking about setting up this interview. It's just amazing, you know, a couple of years ago, this wouldn't be, you know, we couldn't do it. But now it's it's amazing how technology has advanced and we can do so much stuff, even in a crisis like this, we can still carry on with business and with conversations and interviews and, and many other things. And we're seeing it in, in the sports world, too. Just so many opportunities for the digital platforms to really uh, excel through it. Yeah, and I would tell you at the end of the Emmanuel Ocho interview, he has some really good advice for how we can best use this time where we're quarantined or isolated. Um, it doesn't mean... You know, we're isolating physically. It doesn't mean that we need to turn our brains off or that we need to isolate from people via text or FaceTime. Um, I've had some people reach out, Griggs, and they're like, hey, how about a virtual happy hour? Or how about yeah. a virtual <laughs> card game? Or, you know, obviously, we've got kids. Our kids aren't in school. Um, we've got to keep them busy. But there's no roadmap on this. So, you know, our kids probably won't have a summer. This is our summer vacation, but there's no vacation. The other thing I thought of last night, Griggs, is think about this. Whenever this, you know, quarantine is lifted, let's say July or August, all the events that are being postponed in the sports world, the seasons, people's vacations, the school year, the list goes on and on. It's all going to be jammed into the last three or four months of this year. It's going to be insane. And then you think of the airlines right now who are losing lots of money, the hotels, and are they going to jack up their rates at the end of the year when everyone can travel again and say, I'm going to try and make up for the times when people couldn't travel the last few months. It's just going to be, it's going to be a crazy time. Yeah, it's like it's backwards. Like, is Christmas going to be in August? Is Thanksgiving going to be in September? <laughs> it's like you don't know when what's going to happen when. Yeah. Everyone needs to stay safe out there. And, uh, you know, again, listen to your local authorities. Take this seriously. And as we announced on Twitter earlier in the week, we are going twice a week. So Tuesdays and Fridays, a new sports business radio pod will drop. We're going to talk to people from across the sports world and figure out how are they dealing with this. I mean, and again, this week, you've got an agent, Mike McCartney. This has affected his job and his clients. You've got a TV analyst and Emmanuel Acha, who's breaking down film for ESPN from the big screen in his living room. And you've got Al Harrington, who travels a lot and goes to his uh, you know, distilleries and in cannabis farms and things like that. And he can't do that right now. So everyone's being affected. And I think you'll find it interesting to hear how our three guests this week are coping with that. Griggs, you got anything else? 
Yeah, well, you mentioned earlier, you know, keep your brain active. I mean, we're, this podcast is phenomenal. We got three great guests today. You can learn a lot from it. So I think there's still a lot to do for your brain out there. Lots of good listening audio. We're going twice a week, uh, keeping you updated. And, uh, yeah, the podcast world is alive and thriving, especially like us who putting out new content every uh, couple times a week. Yeah. I think podcast growth is going to be big during this time. I was reading, uh, earlier today. Let me see if I can find the, the tweet. Total viewership growth from this past week versus 2019. CNN up 110%. CNBC up 69%. Fox Biz up 61%. FNC up 46%. MSNBC up 26%. Those are big numbers, Griggs. And I expect podcast listenership, like this podcast, they're, it's going to go up because people are in their home. They're looking for fresh content. They're looking for interesting conversations and unique perspectives. And they're looking for the latest news because, again, this is all new for all of us. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and I think, thank God, that uh, virus can't be spread over phone calls because we can keep the interviews popping. <laughs> that is very true. All right, coming up next, NFL agent Mike McCartney. He represents Kirk Cousins, just did a huge extension for him. Really insightful on the current NFL landscape. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Well, I use freelancers a lot for Sports Business Radio and for Sports PR Summit, my two properties, podcast editing, photography, branding. But sometimes it can be a real challenge to find freelance talent for your business or your project. It can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Where do you go to find the right talent? How much will it cost? How can you be certain they'll deliver? Thanks to Fiverr, finding the right freelancer doesn't have to be a struggle. Fiverr's marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, podcast editing, photography, branding, film editing, and more. Find what you're looking for instantly. Search by device, deadline, price, reviews, and more. You'll know exactly what you're paying for up front. No negotiation is needed. Take five and check out fiverr.com and you'll receive 10% off your first order by using my code SBR. It's so easy. Don't waste any more time. Get the services you deserve by going to fiverr.com. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code SBR. Fiverr. It starts here. My guest is Mike McCartney. He is an NFL agent. He's with Priority Sports. He represents Kirk Cousins, amongst other players. You can find him on Twitter at Mike McCartney7. Mike, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Or how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, the crazy times for everyone right now, but the business of the NFL continues. Walk us through your week because this is unprecedented times right now. You've got the NFL just signing their CBA. We've got the coronavirus hanging over our heads. And it's business as usual with signing and trading players in the NFL. It's kind of, kind of crazy. Oh, it's completely crazy. And we didn't know it was going to be business as usual until late Sunday afternoon. You know, there were a lot of people in the National Football League thinking that the start of free agency would be postponed. So, you know, you go to bed Saturday night not knowing if the CBA is going to pass. So I had a restless night waking up every two hours to check my Twitter. <laughs> then go to bed Sunday night anxious for free agency. And um, so it's been a couple of sleepless nights, to be honest. But, it, but it's also a great time in the National Football League. 
the virus aside, which is it's tough for everybody, it's um, you know it's it's fun, it's it's exhilarating, it's it's anxious, a lot of anxiousness right now, um, trying to get guys signed and placed in the right situations. So, do you have like Command Central set up at your house? Are you in your office? Where are you? Typically, I would be in my office because of this virus. Um, I, I am working out of home right now, and uh, I've got a couple kids home, a wife, and they stayed upstairs a lot yesterday. <laughs> they were very gracious to me. So I'm in my office in the home right now, and I've got my door shut. So just kind of, uh, yeah, that's my command central. I've got ESPN on. I flip back and forth with the NFL network. So try and keep up with everything. So you mentioned the CBA passing. I, this has got to be crazy for you because you wake up and it's passed and there's new rules and new things. How do you learn it so quickly? Well, I think the union uh, or the players association did a good job of uh, giving us what we needed uh, a couple weeks ago with the changes. They also provided a side-by-side for the 2020 CBA. Uh, some of the things that we worry about, probably the club has to be more concerned with than us. Um, so I'm not sure there were a lot of changes. One of the biggest challenges in negotiating contracts is we're working off of, uh, when we, anytime we do a negotiation, we try and find comps, you know, comparable players. And every comp was signed with a 16 game schedule in mind. So as we move forward to a 17 game schedule, it's a very difficult transition, you know, because, because now you're dealing with 17 games potentially. And yet we don't know if that's going to start in 2021, 2022, or 2023. So it's making negotiations a little more complicated. Yeah, adding that extra game, that was another question I had for you, is how does that factor into the, the contracts you're doing now and to future contracts? Well, it's it's negotiation, and honestly, it's a battle. Uh, the teams are, are trying to say that it doesn't uh, – factor in we're trying to say it does on the agent side so it's a battle and i think that um, you know over the next uh days you know weeks and even years it'll kind of you know uh, it'll kind of fit the right way uh but right now you know let's just use easy math i'll tell a player let's say you're making 1.6 million dollars uh, a year that's a hundred thousand a game you're no longer making a hundred thousand a game if we do a contract for 1.6 million once we go to 17 games. So naturally we're going to ask for 1.7 million, right? To keep it at 100,000. You would think that would be an easy sell to the club. It has not been. <laughs> so it's a, it's just, you got to work through some of these issues right now. And you know, when you're on the market and you have some leverage, it helps. And if you don't have leverage, you take what you can get. But the minimums have gone up, right? I read that by a hundred thousand dollars, the minimums went up, or is that all negotiable as well? No, there's the minimum is the minimum. So, um, for example, last year, uh, the, uh, or if the CBA had not passed, I should say, the minimum for an incoming rookie would have been 510,000. This year, it's going to be 610,000. For a uh, first year player, it would have been 585 and now it's going to be 675. So it went up a hundred thousand dollars for the rookie and it went up ninety thousand dollars for everyone else. Now, if we're talking about a contract that is at the minimum, then that's it is what it is. And then furthermore, every player who is currently under contract 
his minimum will adjust accordingly. So it, even the guys that were drafted in the last couple of years, if they're on under contract with a minimum that is underneath the current minimum, their contract will will come up to the current minimum. When we're negotiating, guys, we're not talking about minimum contracts. It doesn't even come up then. Kirk Cousins, he just signed a two-year extension according to reports. You've done a masterful job with him. Uh, you know, I saw you in your office a couple of years ago right after you had done that deal, and uh, he certainly earned the contract, but you got him a lot of guaranteed money and then just signed an extension where he gets more guaranteed money. How do you do that? Is it, I know every player is different, but, um, are you laying that groundwork month, months in advance or is that something that just came up because they wanted to restructure his deal? That's a good question. They, um, I mean, and it's a negotiation, you know, I think going back to when he was in Washington, uh, when we were planning, you know, his contracts, we made a big deal about, you know, it'd be nice to try and become, the first player to have a fully guaranteed deal. So, you know, it, it took a quarterback hitting the open market uh, two years ago to get that kind of contract. This time around, it, you know, we wanted to work with the club but to, to try to keep it somewhat simple. Two years ago when we did the deal, it was all guaranteed at signing, and we invoked what we call the funding rule. The funding rule is an archaic rule that was instituted in the early 70s when there wasn't TV money. And it says for all future dollars that are fully guaranteed, the club has to write a check for whatever that dollar amount is so the NFL can hold it in escrow. So last March 31st, the Vikings had to write a check for $58 million for the NFL to hold an escrow. Well, that hurt the Vikings ultimately because that's $58 million off their budget from a cap standpoint. So it didn't hurt them on the cap, but it hurt them in their cash budget. So this time around, Kirk and I, when we talked, I said, look, I don't want to hurt the Vikings if we're going to redo this deal with them. We don't want to limit their cash, you know, budget. So we didn't even ask to have it fully guaranteed at signing. So to get around that, we certainly have this year fully guaranteed. Everybody is, uh, uh, for these bigger deals, will do year two. In year three, however, it's guaranteed at signing for injury only. Now, that will not invoke the funding rule. It'll protect Kirk if, God forbid, there's an Alex Smith-type injury. However, the third day of the league year in 2021, which is 12 months early, his will become fully guaranteed. So the, it becomes a practical guarantee. And in other words, Kirk will have... Right now, on this deal, they owe $96 million. 61 is guaranteed at signing. If they cut him before that third day of the league year next year, he would have made $61 million in one year. That's pretty good contract for a quarterback. That you know? is very yeah. good contract yeah. for anyone. Yeah, and so then the third day of the league year, the remaining 35 is fully guaranteed. So there's really not a scenario where he's going to lose that money. And and then ultimately, when he goes to camp in 2022, it'll be seven straight years, you know, where he will know he's he's under contract and there's no chance he won't get paid. That's amazing. I want to go back to the archaic rule from the 70s. You know, you're very, very good at your job. You're very creative, obviously. But 
how do you go back and find, how do you unearth that rule and then bring it up and, and use it to your advantage today? I know you have a team of people that work with you too, but how does something like that happen? Well, honestly, it happens because the clubs hide behind it. You know, for many years, the way NFL contracts worked, the dollars weren't so big. They could give a, a large signing bonus, and then that would be the guaranteed money. And I can't remember exactly, but I think about maybe eight to ten years ago, when the cap was rising, no one was going to give signing bonuses that were that large. So they started giving a combination of a signing bonus and then guaranteeing the paragraph five salary. So when those guarantees, when we try to start getting them guaranteed in years in years three or four, clubs immediately said, no, 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 we can't do that because we have to fund that. So just through negotiating over time, you learn the, what the funding rule is and the implication of it. And it was, it's always a battle. So the union or the players association knows this in, in the CBA, you know, they, they fought hard to remove funding. Um, going into this CBA off the last one, there was a $2 million exemption for each team. Now there's a $15 million exemption per club, but that wouldn't have covered you know, Kirk's 35. So that's why we didn't even ask. Um, you know, I, I, I wish that they would get rid of the funding. Uh, the owners know why they want it and it's so they can hide behind it. They, it is a mechanism to avoid fully guaranteed contracts at signing. I want to go back to the current landscape that exists. We're in a time like we've never seen before with this coronavirus and a term I've become very familiar with lately is force majeure. Um, you know, I've read reports about the leagues getting together, all the leagues, and, and talking about, you know, do we pay the players during this time, especially leagues like the NBA and the NHL where it's an active season. Do you communicate with your players? If I'm a player, I'm probably calling you on the phone going, hey, I just want to make sure during this time that, that I'm still getting paid. What are those conversations like with your clients? Honestly, I've only had a couple to this point, and they're premature. Uh, I think that the NFL and the Players Association are working through a myriad of issues right now because of the virus. The one that uh, faces us immediately is free agents who need physicals. So they came out last night and said, hey, you cannot fly a player to the team facility and provide a physical. However, we can find a neutral physician in the player's hometown. So you know, there are, there's, it's a work in progress right now. There's a lot that's unknown with this virus. Is it, is it going to last weeks? Is it going to last months? You know, I think one of the scary parts for the National Football League, you didn't ask this, but, you know, what if we have a national quarantine and all of a sudden these two new stadiums in LA and Las Vegas, they, they got to stop the construction. And so then mm. there's no chance they're going to be ready to play in 2020. So hmm. there's just so much unknown right now, and and it, it truly is a work in progress. So when I do get questions, you know, I, how do I answer? <laughs> you know, I'm getting some a, a lot of different types of questions from players, and and I'm glad they're asking, and we have conversations, but there's no answers yet, and we just got to kind of wait on the the players association, and the NFL, to figure it out. Well, and I imagine you're going to have a few players in the draft, too. I did see the NFL this week say that they would continue with the draft in Las Vegas. There just won't be people present for it. Does that mean players will be there and they'll shake hands with Roger Goodell, or is this going to be totally virtual as far as you know? 
I think it's going to be virtual, but you raise a, a bigger point for us right now. Our, we have about 11 rookies that are preparing for the for the draft, and not all of them went to the combine. So when you don't go to the combine, the pro day is critical. Hmm. And we've had we have at least one, if not two, players that their pro day has been canceled. We we've had a couple players who maybe didn't run as fast as they wanted at the combine, and they were very excited to run at their pro day. They won't get that opportunity now. The other piece that's really interesting is all the college facilities are shutting down. So these guys have nowhere to train. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting, you know, to, again, how long is this virus going to last? It's probably true for the pro players just as much as the draft guys. But can you imagine that first, you know, OTA practice or mini camp? They're going to be a lot of guys out of shape. Yeah. Just if they, if they really can't work out, you know, you imagine offensive linemen trying to keep their weight up right now without being able to push a lot of weight. There's, there's a lot of challenges that uh, this league faces in the ensuing weeks and months. Yeah, it's uncharted territory. A few more questions and then I'll let you go. Uh, Tom Brady today announced that he's leaving the Patriots. Not that I expect you to weigh in on that, but from where you sit, that is one big domino that falls. Does that impact what you're doing right now? I would imagine it does. Well, the quarterback market is seemingly um, waiting on Tom Brady, so it is a big domino to fall. Uh, I, I'm like everybody, you know. I'm, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm speculating. I'm trying to see what makes sense. You know, if you, if you ask me right now, I'm going to predict, you know, Brady to Tampa. I'm going to predict Teddy Bridgewater to Carolina. I'm going to predict Andy Dalton gets traded to New England. I'm going to predict that Foles gets traded to Chicago. Philip Rivers goes to Indy. If you ask me tomorrow, I could have completely different predictions. <laughs> so wow. It's, it's, it's a, um, it's a fascinating time. It's a tough time in some ways to be a quarterback because there's going to be a couple that are, that are not left with a chair. And usually, you know, in years past when we've taken quarterbacks to the market, it was, it was in favor of the quarterback. There were more jobs than there were quarterbacks. Now it's flipped. So it's it's a tough year to be a quarterback. I represent Trevor Simeon. He's coming off a really tough injury after playing one quarter for the New York Jets on Monday night. You, you may remember Miles yeah. Garrett yep. um, on a bad play, you know, injuring Trevor. He's completely healthy now. But, you know, with, with very little tape in the last couple of years, we got to get him a job. It's a backup right now. And, and, so that's the challenge. You know, that doesn't – Brady and those starters don't necessarily have uh, a direct impact. But as I said earlier, there are going to be a couple guys that were starters last year who are going to have to take backup jobs, and that does impact a guy like Trevor. When you're Tom Brady, it's so much more – I mean, he's 43 now, so he's not what he was when he was 25. But he sells tickets. He sells jerseys. Wherever he goes now, there's going to be an influx of, of enthusiasm for that franchise. When you're an agent like you, are you using that at the bargaining table saying, hey, it's not just about what he does on the field. It's also what he does off the field. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Tom's agent will do that. I think Tom is – such a unique guy you know he's 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 made a lot of money he's married to someone who's made a lot of money i would think and i, I don't know tom I, I don't talk to his agent i would think that football would be what's most important to him 
and trying to find the right setting and, you know, with the right protection, the right weapons. And, you know, I, I can't imagine Tom is going to take every last dollar as opposed to trying to find a way to win another Super Bowl. So, you know, that all plays a role. But to me, you know, football has to has to come first in these kind of decisions. Yeah. Last question for you, going back to the NFL CBA. I'm never a big fan of 10-year deals. I think so much can happen in 10 years. Was there any way you think that the players could have said, hey, let's do a 10-year, but let's have an opt-out after five? Or do you think the owners would have said, absolutely not? I don't know that. Uh, I do know when we were at the Combine, we had a meeting with the Players Association. It's actually an 11-year deal. And the question came up, why not an opt-out? And the answer was, the only time that anybody's opted out has been the owners. So if you do think this is a good deal for players, which, you know, Dee Marie Smith and Eric Winston, who negotiated it along with their team, believes, then it makes sense from that perspective why you wouldn't want an opt-out because the opt-out would be for both sides. You know, it was in 2011 that the owners opted out, and we had the last CBA. So, you know, there's no question that this CBA is better for players. Is it perfect? No, I would say it's never going to be perfect. You know, players are never going to get everything they want. Owners are probably never going to get anything they want. The way I look at this CBA, though, is, you know, I want the owners motivated to grow the pie. And to me, 48.5% of a bigger pie is better than 50% of a smaller pie. And so by saying yes, you know, the owners should be highly motivated to grow this pie. Had we said no and voted it down, my fear would have been that the owners would have been motivated to make the players pay. Hmm. And that's not what we want. As, as somewhat partners in this game, owners and players, we want those owners waking up every day thinking, how are we going to grow this pie so that everybody wins? So I'm happy it was passed. I completely understand why many, many players weren't. As you know, it was only voted yes by 60 votes. Um, but the hope is over the next several years, the pie does grow. And part of growing that pie is in negotiating television networks, looking at gambling, looking at all kinds of revenue streams. An 11-year commitment to the CBA is a real positive. Mike McCartney, one of the best agents Best NFL agents out there. Priority Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Mike McCartney 7 I know you have a lot on your plate. I appreciate you making the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Always fun talking football. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks, Mike. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now, so you want something that you can depend on. Hiring is always a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter, they get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
My guest is Emmanuel Acho. He is a former NFL player. He's an ESPN analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at the man Acho. I love watching him. Emmanuel, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Brian, I am doing great, and it is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. First of all, I got to give you the hustle award. Were you in your living room with your flat screen <laughs> breaking down plays yesterday? Man, desperate times have called for desperate measures. <laughs> I was, in fact, look, if I can't get in studio, I turn on the 75-inch TV, I pull up some NFL film, and I try to give the people an escape uh, from our current state of mind. Yeah, I thought that is creative. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people work from home studios, mostly in the audio realm. I had not seen anyone in their home breaking down video for a major network like ESPN. So uh, <laughs> great job to you. Let's start with the news of the day. I wanted to have you on to talk about the CBA and everything, but we've got to start with Tom Brady, right? Of course. Of he, course. He's leaving the Patriots. What does this mean? It's a, it's a seismic shift in the NFL landscape, first and foremost. Let's talk about it from a bird's eye view. A, a man, the greatest quarterback of all time, clear, cut, no debate about it, leaving one of the most now storied franchises of all time and largely because of him. Um, it, it means that we already knew there were going to be a lot of different faces at different places in the NFL, but now we are seeing the biggest faces at different places. So that to me is is more than anything, it's really just crazy. I grew up as a football fan. When Tom Brady was in New England, I was 11, 12 years old. And now I'm 29, and he's going to be somewhere else. So that is just wild, wild times in the NFL. Yeah, it's just I have so many thoughts on it. One, and, and tell me if you think I'm crazy on this, but I read his Instagram posts after Kobe Bryant died. And I'm not saying family hasn't always been important to him, but it seems like that is now the number one priority for him. And I think he's recalculated on a few levels. And I don't know. I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't wind up in California because that's where he's from. That's where his parents live. I just think he's going to go closer to home. You know, I know there's all kinds of speculation, but when you're making a major decision like that, what are the driving factors? I think when you're Tom Brady, making a major decision at 43 years old, those driving factors are different than when you're 25, 26. Right. To your point, Brian, I think now it's all family. I mean, remember, he was very private and quiet about uh, the, the health scare that wasn't his mom right. uh, was facing yep. two or three years ago during that Super Bowl run. Very quiet about that. We all know uh, Tom Brady's wife being a model and, and everything that she has going on in her career which is more monetary, um, which gains more monetary income than even his career. So I do think he's starting to count the cost. Tom Brady has spent 35 plus years, 40 years probably, playing this game of football. And when you're a football player, you have to live selfishly. I think he's now looking around and saying, you know what? How can I at least serve my loved ones most while still serving my desire of playing ball? So if you want to go home to California, it's probably the Chargers, right? I mean, the Rams seem set. The Niners seem set. Wouldn't it be Everybody's the Chargers? Everybody's saying the Chargers. Everybody's saying the Chargers are the Buccaneers. Here's the problem. You go to the Chargers. You want to know who's in that division? Patrick Mahomes. Right. A guy who has won a Super Bowl more recently. Well, clearly won a Super Bowl the most recently. But he's never been trailing by more than seven points in the NFL. 
a guy who already has a Super Bowl MVP and an NFL MVP. So if Tom Brady's goal is to go win again, I'm not sure the Chargers is the best landing spot. But you probably can't tell Tom Brady that. Exactly. What do you think about the hypothetical of you go to the Dolphins, Brian Flores is the coach, you play in the same division as the Patriots, and you try and take it to him? Hell no. You'll get whooped. <laughs> it's as simple as that like if tom brady wanted to go take it to somebody and play with the former patriot it's the tennessee Titans. but here's what i'm starting to learn just because tom brady wants them doesn't mean that they want tom hmm. and and tom brady no matter how great this man is i think he has to understand like the nfl quarterback corrals a game of musical chairs and let's be honest about it there are only about six or seven more chairs open, and the music is going to stop April 26th when the draft stops. Where's Tom Brady going to be seated? So Tom Brady may not actually get a great landing spot anymore because there are truly only so many great landing spots. I don't love Tom Brady with the Chargers, not if he wants to win another Super Bowl. Do we love Tom Brady with the Colts? Maybe will the 49ers move, make a move with Tom Brady, make a move for Tom Brady? Doubtful. So it's all very hairy at this point. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. All right. The main reason I wanted to have you on was to talk about the new NFL CBA. This is a sports business show. Uh, I wanted to go over some of the highlights with you, but the vote was separated by 60 players. I mean, it was a close vote. 500 players didn't vote. If you were still a player and you had a vote, which way would you have voted? Great question. I um, I would have voted yes. And I would have voted yes, not because the CBA is a perfect CBA. And not because the CBA is a phenomenal CBA. But in negotiation, you have to look at both sides. That is the positive, and then what is the alternative outcome? The only way the players can improve the CBA is if the players could have collectively went on strike. But this isn't bowling. You don't strike just to strike. You strike to win a strike. And I don't think that the players collectively are strong enough right now to win a strike. As a result, I would have looked at both options, and I would have said, you know what? Let's vote yes for the greater good of the most players. Do you think there was any way? I, I'm not a fan of 10-year deals. I think so much can happen over the next 10 years with Agreed. streaming and broadcasting and the billions of dollars that could come in to the league. Do you think there was any way that the players could have said, you know what, we're going to make this a 10-year deal, but we have an out after five years? Do you think that would have worked for the owners or not at all? I'm not convinced. My brother, he's on this executive committee in right. the NFL. He's going on year 10 with the Buccaneers. So he was quite literally in the room with these owners. Everything that I've asked and heard from my brother, the dialogue we've had on and off the record, leads me to believe that the deal was pretty much the deal. Now, some players think that if the, if the players would have collectively voted no, the owners would have gone back and tried to change some things. I think that 17 games was a, was a must-have for owners, and I'm not sure the length of time. I don't know if that would have been pliable as well. So what were the other key points from the player perspective? Obviously, minimum salaries go up, no suspensions for marijuana, 48 to 48.5% of the revenue 
for the players. I think the fact that Roger Goodell is no longer judge on all player discipline issues, those will be decided by a, a third party. I think that's notable as well. But from where you sit and from where your brother sits, what were the key things that the players were looking for? The biggest thing was a 50-50 revenue share. You said it's 48% right now. That's what the players will get as far as revenue. Um, it can kick up to 48.5% depending on how much the NFL gets in their TV deals. Players are like, man, that's not enough. We want a 50-50 split. I understand that, players, but you're not going to get a 50-50 split right now. It is a slow climb to a closer level of equality. The other thing some players wanted was no off-season workouts. You know, guys like uh, Aaron Rodgers, he wanted off-season workouts to be completely void. Here's the problem. Some players benefit from off-season workouts. Right. Um, young players, rookies, uh, newly signed free agents, uh, other points of contingency for the players. They don't want a franchise tag. They don't want an NFL team to be able to tag you like the Cowboys recently did with Dak Prescott and own the rights to you without you having the ability to negotiate or fight on that. So those were some of the main points of contingency for the players. But the last thing I'll say in regards to this is those points of contingency are part of the problem. Every player has a different issue they want to fight for. You can't negotiate when you're trying to negotiate on 50 different things on your side. Pick the most important things to you and fight that fight. But what is important to Aaron Rodgers is not important to the second-string backup linebacker. Well, that's what I've always said. You've got 32 owners. You've got 2,100-plus players. It's a lot harder to get 2,100 people on the same page than it is 32. Were you surprised that 500 players didn't vote? Man, I wasn't. Don't get me started on this. Like, it. At time, as much as I love the fraternity of the NFL and the NFL players, individual players are smart. Individual players, um, they, they have great mental fortitude. Collectively, the collective body of players, man, they often let me down. And, and I have to put myself into that conversation because I'm sure back when I was a player at times I was guilty. Here's why I say this. Regardless of where you stood on the Colin Kaepernick fight, if you just join behind your fraternity brother and be like, hey, you might be wrong on this, but I'm going to stand with you. Kind of like your parent with a child. It's like a parent may not always, or excuse me, a, a, a partner with a significant other. They might not always agree, but in front of company, right. they're going to agree because they don't want to look divided. So in front of the public, at least back your boy. So I knew then, man, players are going to be divisive. But now when you talk about the vote, this is the most important thing a player can do this offseason was to vote on this CBA, which will dictate both their short term and long term future. And you going to tell me that 500 players, roughly 20 to 25 percent of players didn't vote. I, I just it makes you want to pull your hair out, man. It makes me want to pull my hair out. Yeah. I mean, it, and then you know that some of those players are going to take issue with things and you're going to say you didn't vote. Like you didn't take part Dude, in the course. process. Of course. But let, let me take you one further. Think about the fact, and, and I'm not going to confirm it because I wasn't there, although I do know. I'll just say the rumor. Think about the fact that like Aaron Rodgers, uh, maybe, uh, let me just say Aaron Rodgers, that's the name I'm sure of. He didn't show up in one of those meetings right before the end of the vote. But you want to take to Twitter 
and say, vote no. Like, I can't tell you how frustrated I get as a person who's like, please, if you are going to broadcast broadcast your opinion to 4.4 million people and all the extensions of those people, at least take the time to show up as a player's rep to each and every mandated meeting outside of a health scare of you or a loved one. But, like, I'm just, I'm so tired of opinions without education. Yeah, I hear you. Last question. Uh, we talked at the beginning of this conversation about you're doing, you're breaking down film from your living room. This is a weird time, Emmanuel. Like, I'm doing this from my home studio. It's just, a, it's an interesting time. How are you navigating through this? Day by day, man. I literally, I just got off the phone with my agent. You know, he was telling me some very, like, necessary information as for me and my future. And it's, you're trying to figure it out. But I will say this. I'm not being lazy. I'm not sitting around. I'm going to cap. I'm going to make sure that I take full advantage of this time. It's not going to be idle time. Like right before I got off the on the phone with you for this interview right here, I was recording my thoughts on Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I created a little home studio, got a little light. I shot that video. I'm about to drop it on Twitter. So all I can say to anyone listening is, Use this time as a positive. Use this time advantageously. Don't make it idle time. Don't look up in a month or two months from now when, by the grace of God, we're back to life that we know it and be like, man, I didn't really accomplish much. Instead, be like, man, I read three books. I wrote a book. I started a blog. Whatever your goals and dreams are, accomplish those because that's what I'm doing. That's great advice. Emmanuel Acho, follow him on Twitter at the man Acho, former NFL star. You can find him on ESPN as well. Emmanuel, thanks so much. My man, thank you. When it comes to stadiums and the fan experience, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is your wireless partner for the 5G era. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art cellular and 5G-ready networks that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about CBRS or 5G? Boingo has you covered. Next-gen stadium tech like mobile ticketing, VR, and micro-betting are all possible with Boingo's 5G solutions that stay ahead of what's next. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. Whether the NFL, NBA, MLS, or NCAA, Boingo helps world-class sports venues improve operating efficiencies, deepen loyalty with fans, and generate more revenue. It's a win-win. Boingo powers the connected experience at places like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, University of Louisville, and K-State, just to name a few. Kickstart your team's 5G strategy with a free wireless consultation from Boingo. Simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 
My guest is Al Harrington. He is the founder and CEO of Harrington Wellness, which includes Viola Extracts and Viola Cares. He played 16 seasons in the NBA. You can follow him on Twitter at Cheddar Cheese 7 Al, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. I got to first start off by asking, this is a really unique time. It's a, it's a weird time. I'm recording this in my home studio for the first time. I'm not in my regular studio. How are you navigating all of this right now? You're a busy business person. How has this affected you? Oh man, big time. You know, obviously, you know, I, you know, I would say I live on the road. So I'm always, you know, visiting our facilities and having meetings and different things like that. But, um, you know, right now I'm stuck at home, you know, so just a lot of calls, <laughs> uh, some video conferences, you know, different things like that, just trying to keep everything moving. Yeah, we're really using our technology, aren't we, with uh, these Zoom conferences and uh, FaceTimes and, and things like that. So I want to start off by talking about Viola Extracts. Really interesting story. I, I love the name, and you named it after your grandmother. Why don't you tell us the story about how Viola Extracts started? Yeah, um, you know, back in 2011, you know, I was able to convince my, you know, 79 uh, year old grandmother to come see me play in Colorado, and uh, really a, a miracle just because, you know, normally she would never get on an airplane. You know, she can't drive and take a bus or train, she wouldn't go. But, you know, this one time she said yes. So, you know, when she got there, you know, she started taking all this medication. And I asked her, I was like, Grandma, why are you taking so much medication? And she started telling me about all the list of issues that she had. And one of them was glaucoma. So when she said glaucoma, I started telling her about, you know, the stuff that I had to read in the newspaper about, um, you know, um, glaucoma patients benefiting from cannabis. And, you know, after I told her for a while what was, you know, uh, what I had been reading, she finally asked me, well, you know, what is cannabis? And I told her it was marijuana or weed. And she's like, reefer? She's like, I'm not smoking no reefer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's old school. Right. Um, so she told me no like that day. So the next day I came home and, you know, she was in pain again. And this time she was saying she could barely see. So I said, well, Grandma, why don't you give cannabis a try? And I was like, it'll be our secret. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> and I always like to tell people all the time, like, if my grandmother's not going to heaven, we're all going to hell for sure. Like, she's always <laughs> one of the most straight now people, uh, you know, places that I've known. And, you know, she's my grandma. So at the end of the day, you know, she was just like, I'm in so much pain today, I'll try anything. And, you know, I had a friend of mine go to a dispensary that had a car to go back Vietnam, Kush. Um, we had to try it. Uh, I took it downstairs. I went to the mat without a game today. So I woke up an hour and a half later before I jumped in the shower. So let me just go check on her. When I go downstairs, the door is closed. So I knock on the door and poke my head through the door. And I back it to the door and she's looking down. And I was just like, Grandma, how you feeling? And literally she turned around and she was crying tears. She said, I'm healed. She said, you know, I haven't been able to read the words of my Bible in over three years. So she was downstairs reading her Bible after the first time that she tried cannabis. And uh, it inspired me just to learn more. And, you know, by the end of that year, I was looking to make my first investment in cannabis. And, you know, when I first started, I was a caregiver. So all of my patients either had HIV or cancer. And, you know, uh, we just started growing the business from there. That's an amazing story. Walk me through the process of, okay, this helped your grandmother. You wanted to learn more about this. And you've really become a leader in this space amongst athlete business people. How do you turn it into a business? Oh, man, it was so, like I said, I, to be honest, I did not have a plan when I first started, right? You know, it was like one of those things you get your feet wet. 
And then also, you know, while I was doing it, I couldn't tell anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was something I had to do, you know, secretly. Um, and then even the people that I did feel like I could trust that, you know, could ask them for advice and different things like that, they had no clue. The first thing they were saying was, like, make sure you don't go to jail. But, you know, that was yeah. the advice I would get from people all the time. Make sure you don't go to jail. <laughs> so, um, so for me, man, it was just, you know, it was just a lot of trial and error. Um, it was, you know, me hanging out with people from the space. You know, I always felt like, you know, the people that, you know, had been taking their this risk for so long, they were the ones that had all the information, right? So being able to get in front of those people, um, old school growers, old school dealers, different things like that, just finding out, you know, uh, how they had been conducting business for so long and some of the nuances of it and different things like that. And then there was some things that I could read, but there wasn't a lot of stuff out there at the time. So, you know, it was literally me just, you know, just pushing ahead. Like, you know, obviously, you know, I'd be lying to sit here and say, you know, from when I started to now, it's just been an easy road. That's not the truth. You know what I'm saying? I've lost crops. I've lost product. I've had bugs in the grow, all these different things that I had to learn to get through. But, you know, thank God that I was consistent and I never gave up. You know, that obviously gave me this opportunity to be, like you said, be, you know, one of the, um, you know, one of the people championing, you know, the space and the cause, you know, for cannabis and legalization. Al, who taught you about business? When you were a player and you're playing 16 seasons in the NBA, was it a teammate? Was it someone who was a mentor? Who taught you about business? Uh, I would say it was, you know, it was really my, my business advisor at that time. A guy named Billy Wilcoxon. Um, he's very old school. Um, anytime I wanted to make an investment in anything, he always made me do my own report on it. He was like, oh, if you want to invest in it, you need to know, you know, exactly how the business works and what they're doing and different things like that. So he was the one person that mentored me that, you know, to, to decide if I want to make any investments that I need to understand the investment, you know what I'm saying, before I did it. And I would say, like, he laid the left foundation for me to, you know, to get to this point where, you know, anything I invest in, you know, I do a very thorough due diligence process. And, you know, even with this, you know, I knew that if I wanted to do this, that I had to learn as much as I could. And like I said, you know, at that time, it wasn't that I could just call people and read books. I had to go and, and be in the trenches <laughs> and go to Grove and, and meet at these places like a place in Colorado to call be called the Hood Lab, where, you know, all the legacy, you know, growers and, and, and manufacturers, that's where they all hung out. And I would say that's where I learned, you know, mostly, you know, mostly all the stuff that I knew in cannabis at that time. What do you look for in a business partner when someone comes to you and says, Hey, Al, I got a great opportunity for you. I ask this to athletes who join me all the time. They have different answers, but what do you look for in a business partner? Um, you know, I look for, usually I look for people that just normally have some form of experience in, you know, what we're trying to do together. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, you know, I always just follow my deck and just knowing if I can find somebody I know is going to work hard. You know what I mean? I always feel like, you know, they say, you know, hard work beats talent when talent don't work hard. So I always believe that you may not be the most talented person in the beginning, but if you work your behind off, you can end up being at that level. You know what I'm saying? So I just look for guys that, you know, are willing to bust their behind. You know, I always say no one without workers. And if you have that kind of attitude, I think that we can find a way to be successful. Now, I've seen you getting after it. Uh, I've attended Andre Iguodala's Bloomberg Players Tech Summit the last few years, and I don't know if you remember, but I, I said hello to you last year. And, you know, I see you out there building relationships and learning from those tech billionaires that are in the room, and, and that's what it takes in this act, too, after you play professional sports your whole life. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many different industries and so many verticals that, you know, that you can benefit from and you can actually, you know, be successful at and monetarily especially. So, you know, it's all about getting in front of the right people and, like you said, asking the right questions, uh, knowing when not to say anything and just listen. And, you know, I, I always say I pride myself being the dumbest guy in the room. You know what I'm saying? Because I figure I'll, I'll be better, you know, when I walk out of the room. So, um, you know, that's what it's all about is establishing those relationships and, you know, just trying to get in front of people that you know that have been very successful. You know, I always say that a lot of those people have the blueprint and it's all about you trying to figure out what in the blueprint you can use, you know what I'm saying, to build your own and be successful. No, it's funny that you say you pride yourself on being the dumbest guy in the room because I say that all the time too, that you want to surround yourself with really smart people so that you can learn from them all of the time. Let's talk a little bit about viola cannabis and viola extracts and viola cares what makes viola extracts different i mean al this is a crowded space i get pitched every week from athletes who are working with cannabis companies and what makes you guys stand out well there's a couple things man i mean number one our product is very very good you know what i'm saying i mean like you said from the extract side anybody around the country that tried our products you know what i'm saying we are especially like in a state like Colorado, you know, we're one of the top three extraction companies, you know, in the entire state. Also, you know, we, we pay attention to detail with the product, right? You know, I always say like, you know, if it's not good enough for my grandmother, it's not good enough for us to put on shelves. Hmm. If anybody knows me, they know how much I love my grandma, that, you know, I'm going to make sure that she gets the best possible product in her hands at all times, right? So that's the same way I feel about my customer base. And then what I'll say that makes me really unique is that, you know, um, one, my company is black owned, right? Black owned and operated. Right. You know, not too many companies can say that. And the difference between me and other athletes and, you know, I'm not talking trash about them, but a lot of those guys are, you know, ambassadors for these brands, right? I'm an operator. You know what I'm saying? I put my own money up, you know what I'm saying, to the tune of seven million bucks that I put, that I put in my business. And, and I know how to cultivate. I know how to manufacture. I know how to distribute. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it's just, you know, for me, it's just, I'm a lot different. You know, there are a lot of the, you know, athletes that are in the space. You know what I'm saying? Meaning that, you know, I started my company from the ground up and, you know, look at the success that I've had. You know, I'm operating in four states right now. Uh, you know, soon to be six by the end of this year, potentially seven. And, you know, I'm building a, you know, a national brand with purpose. You know, our purpose is all about, you know, uh, uplifting, empowering, educating, you know, people of color and, you know, letting them know that, you know, that there's a, a true opportunity in this space that they can participate. You know, we want to create thousands of jobs. We want to create, you know, a uh, hundred millionaires in the next three years. So there's a lot of opportunity for ownership, you know, uh, dealing with our company. And, you know, we just want to use our company as a springboard or on-ramp, you know, for people of color to actually participate in this, in this industry in a major way. Because if you look at, you know, the history of cannabis, you know, cannabis was policed, you know, in black and Latino communities the hardest. Um, you know, 85% of all drug arrests in black neighborhoods is cannabis related. So now it's a billion dollar industry, the spaces are being opened up in the ghettos. And, you know, these people are still locked up or they're out and they're still selling because they have this, that charge on their record. So we have to find a way to change that because I feel like, you know, right now, you know, uh, People of color only represent four percent of the industry, hmm. and at the end of the day, this whole industry was, you know, founded on our backs, you know, on, on their backs and yeah. our backs. So right. we had to figure out a way to have more diversity, have more inclusion, 
And, you know, that's something that is, is very passionate for me and, my, and everyone that works for my company is trying to figure that out and try to, you know, change those numbers. So Viola Cares, you just launched that recently. Explain what that is. Yeah, so Viola Cares is pretty much our, you know, our foundation, right? It, it's the way that we, the company, excuse me, it's our entity or our 513, uh, that we're using to, you know, uh, give back to communities, you know, communities that were mostly affected by the war on drugs, right? Um, our first partnership was with a company called Root and Rebound, which focuses on reentry. Because one of the things that people don't realize is like, you know, people, you know, serve their time and then, you know, they come home and it's not like you get a clean slate, right? It's almost like you're still in jail because you have no resources. There's no way to help you find a job and help you find a place to live and different things like that. So, you know, that's what, you know, I relate to what we now is about. It's about helping you to provide them with opportunities to get back and back into society and, you know, be able to live a normal life. And, you know, my ultimate goal with this is to be able to hire these people within the cannabis space, you know, which is why expungement is going to be important because right now, if you have anything on your on your record, any felonies, anything like that, you can't even get a job in the cannabis space. Hmm. You know, so there's a lot of changes that we have to make and, you know, we're just taking those steps and, you know, by over kids will, you know, lead the charge, you know, um, from, from that standpoint. Different topic. Uh, the NFL's new CBA says you can't be suspended for a positive cannabis test. The NHL and Major League Baseball have also relaxed their penalties around cannabis. The NBA, I don't think, has come out and, and you know said what they're going to do yet. But do you see a day soon where these leagues say, okay, we're going to allow cannabis for pain relief and relaxation and, and rest and recovery? Yeah, I think it's coming soon, man. I just think that, you know, I think that these people, you know, they have to, you know, change the way they're thinking at this point, man. It's like, you know, it's such an old school way of thinking that cannabis is this gateway drug and it's just right. and it's heroin and crack cocaine and all these different things, right? Cannabis should be policed the same way we police alcohol, you know, at the end of the day. Obviously, there's a lot of medicinal benefits of it, so it's definitely better and, and definitely on a different level than alcohol. But my point being is like the same way that, you know, um, you know, we don't test players to find out they drank the night before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The same way they should do treat cannabis because at the end of the day, I always use the example of like if you're an owner of a team and if you had two options, if you had one option, you know, for your player to, you know, after practice or after a game to, you know, go home and take an edible or, or smoke a joint and sit on his couch and play video games for the rest of the night and just kick it and relax. <laughs> or would you rather your player after the game? Because we have vices, right? We have to figure out. We try to figure out how to calm ourselves down or sometimes to get away from anxiety and different things. And, you know, our only option legally right now is pills and liquor. Right. And at the end of the day, like, would you rather the other option, the player, that, you know, Go home or not even go home, go to a bar, start drinking, end up in the nightclub, driving home or, you know, putting himself in some type of bad situation because, you know, obviously, you know, liquor influences a lot of bad decisions. I would say which player, if you're making an investment of $100 million into a player, what would you rather him do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, when I try to put it in just simple terms like that, I mean, I think that if you're honest with yourself and if you just, you know, just, you know, looking at it for what it's worth, I think you would prefer the player to, you know, go smoke a joint or take an edible and relax. You know what I'm saying? So that he can be all that he can be the next day for practice or film session or whatever is going to be instead of hungover 
and you know, obviously we know all the you know the ill effects of you know liquor use, you know. So, um, so I think that the more and more leagues start to think about it in that perspective and get more information, scientific um, information, which I think is a bunch of it out there. You know, I feel like some of these leagues try to act like because it's cannabis companies conducting these these these, these studies. It makes it they're null and void because they're like, oh, they're just trying to promote their company, but they're not. Man, I'm telling you, these companies, we are trying to figure out how do we how we can help people as much as we can. And uh, you know, I think that there is a day, and it's coming soon. You know what I'm saying? I think it's sooner than we think. And I, you know, potentially two years from now, you know, <laughs> we won't be having this conversation anymore. Al Harrington, the founder and CEO of Harrington Wellness. It includes Viola Extracts, Viola Cares. He played 16 years in the NBA. You can follow him on Twitter at CheddaCheese7. Al, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. And guess what? Mizzen in Maine now is making pants. At long last, the Mizzen in Maine performance chino is here. Everything consumers love about the dress shirts, packed into new pants. Business casual just got comfortable. I love my Mizzen in Maine pants. It has the same breathability, superior comfort, no pilling. It's awesome. For travel, I don't have to worry about my pants being wrinkled when I take them out of my suitcase, just like my dress shirts. So now I'm covered. I've got the pullover. I've got the dress shirts. I've got the new pants. Go to MizzenandMaine.com. Use the promo code SBR. Try out their new pants. I promise you'll love them. That's MizzenandMaine.com. Code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.